You are now listening to Wave a Sound. Welcome to Versus Mike History. I am your host, Michael History. In episode 111, Kwasan joins the podcast to talk about financial literacy. We get into his background learning the financial market on his own, beating the odds of getting out the inner city as a black man, the journey that led to his first published book, and more. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Sign up for our newsletter for brand updates and join our members-only community on Patreon for access to exclusive programming. For everything else, go to VersusMikeHistory.com. Peace, fam. Welcome to another episode of Versus Mike History. I'm your host, Mike History, and we got Kwasan in the building. Yo, yo, what's going on, man? How you doing, my brother? How you doing? Hey, man, I'm good. No complaints. Um, how about you go ahead and introduce yourself for the people? <clears throat> yeah, so um, my name is Kwasan. Um, I go by the name of Q. I'm a financial analyst by day, entrepreneur by night, recently self-published author, um, I'm passionate about financial, uh, financial literacy, man. Um, I always have been into the financial market since I was a kid and now, you know, just kind of working in that space and, and just, you know, publishing a book about it. You know, um, I just want to kind of share that information with, with youth, right. Uh, inner city youth more specifically, you know, um, cause I was once in their shoes and I didn't have nobody to teach me about financial literacy. So you know, uh, I'm looking looking forward to, to diving into this this conversation for sure. Thank you. Thank you. And um, one of the questions that I usually ask people when they come on the show is, what are you listening to? So what's pretty much been in your rotation as of lately? Um, so pop is actually my favorite genre mm-hmm. type of music, but it depends what space I'm in. Like um, if I'm in a gym, I'm listening to trap. Okay. Uh, uh, Lil Durk, um, Forty Two, mm-hmm. Herbo, Sue Surf, Meek Mill, like you know, uh, Gotti, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So it definitely depends what type of space I'm in. You get what I'm saying? Like if I'm cooking in a crib, I probably had '90s R&B playing while I'm cooking or something like that. You feel me? But it, it definitely yeah. depends what space I'm in. Word. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into the nitty gritty. Um, let's talk about your background. Uh, you said that you've been into the financial markets since you were a child. So let's yeah. talk about how you were first introduced to the markets. Um, no, that's a good question. A uh, good question. Actually, I had to kind of teach myself about the financial markets. Um, I just was always like, you know, I'll come across the news or something like that. You'll hear about the stock market, you know, growing up like in the projects, growing up in North. You know, the stock market, we ain't know nothing about that. It was always foreign to us. You get what right. I'm saying? So I didn't really have nobody to teach me about it. So I pretty much taught myself. I'll watch the markets and any word I didn't know, like if I used to, if I was to hear the word stock and I didn't know what that meant, I, I created like this whole journal of just financial terminology. You get what I'm saying? And, and over time, I continued to build out that knowledge. And then when I turned on the markets and listened to it, I started to, to pick up on everything that was being said. So I didn't have no role models. I didn't have no family members or no coaches or anything that taught me specifically about the financial markets. 
So I pretty much had to teach myself. And that was my whole purpose. So, you know, um, we'll get into it later, but that's how the book came about and everything. So I can kind of save, save the youth from having to go through what I went through. Absolutely. And um, you said that you were born and raised in North, uh, North New Jersey. Yeah. Um, describe your describe the surrounding environment while you were trying to, you know, gain all of this knowledge. Yeah. So, you know, like 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 most people from North or from the inner city, you get what I'm saying. Uh, there's there's certain things you have to 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 uh, there's certain resistance you're you're met with, right? It's much right. harder. So my environment specifically, like I grew up in Baxter Terrace. Uh, it was a rough neighborhood, surrounded with violence and things like that. You know, I was surrounded by homeboys who were either like you know involved in the streets and and and, and things of that nature. So when you're around it, you sort of you know they say guilty by association, you get what I'm saying? So I played ball, but I was very known from ball and I had a lot of homeboys who was in the streets. So I was kind of like around them, you get what I'm saying? So a lot of people thought I was in the streets and thought I was in a gang and everything. Cause again, my homeboys was, but I would say one thing that saved me is the fact that I did play basketball because a lot of the older dudes that was in a, you know, in the projects, looking looking after me you know they kind of saw that I had this talent so they didn't you know they, they kept me on track you get what I'm saying they looked at it as like yo this is a young kid he's talented yo stay stay in the gym you know you don't you don't you don't want this street life just stay in the gym so I would say I was very appreciative of that because they even if I tried to they wouldn't let me to go down that wrong path you feel me right right yeah so during this journey of learning the financial market um, as a youth, yeah. um, at what point what uh, at what point was it that you started um, while gaining this knowledge? Did you start to gain people along the journey, like other people who are like minded? I'll say it started in college. I would say in college is when I really start to meet people who had a similar mindset to me and we naturally just gravitated towards each other. Um, Yeah, yeah, I'll say college uh, because I played ball in college, but it didn't start until after my sophomore year because that's when I decided to walk away from the game completely. Mm -hmm. I had tore my meniscus in my senior year of high school. I had to get surgery. And from there, I was kind of rehabbing, trying to get my knee, you know, back back in place and so I could get back on the court. But it was giving me a lot of trouble. So I ended up walking from walking away from the game completely my sophomore year. And then from there, I kind of took a hard dive into the financial markets. So that's when I started to really surround myself with people that was, you know, into the markets, surround myself with people. Um, that just overall had that mindset, you know, just started building my network out because I, I understood how important a network could be in making the right connection and stuff like that. And, you know, so I kind of surrounded myself with people that was in that same space. Understood. Would you say that um, the, the journey that you had up until college, how would you um, how would you explain that journey of, of financial knowledge, like how, how, um, how much knowledge had you gained by the time you got to college? Were you day trading already? Were, uh, did you have X amount of stocks and like, what was the extent of the knowledge that you had? Yeah. So, um, the knowledge I gained throughout like high school and leading up to college, it really picked up in college. Like again, mm-hmm. uh, my, my sophomore year 
in college once I decided to walk away from basketball because basketball is my first love. Mm -hmm. So I didn't start investing until um, I could say I was a late bloomer in regard to investing. I wish I would have started sooner. But, um, you know, prior to really gaining this knowledge, I always thought I needed a specific amount of money, this large amount of money to jump into the markets and start investing. You know, that's one of the things I would say we, 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 um, we, we tend to misunderstand is that we think we need all of this money, like you need a million dollars or this, not uh, to invest. You don't need that. You can have $100 right now and invest in the stock market. You know, you can buy fractional shares of a specific company right now and continue to build that, you know. Um, so I would say, yeah, once college really hit and I, walk, I walked away from the game my sophomore year, that's when I started to invest. Um, I, I, I traded options a little bit prior to my role. Um, options is like, um, you could think of options as a sort of, um, it's a contract where you don't necessarily own the shares, but you have the right to purchase the shares um, if certain conditions are, are met, you know, so you have the option to buy if this, you know, the, the, the underlying security, which are stocks hit a specific, um, you know, specific point. But, um, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely say, I wish, I wish I would have started sooner. Hmm. Um, so how would you describe the beginning of your journey once you really got into it, transitioning out of basketball? Um, the term in terms of you know your lifestyle how the people you hung out with how you met the new people that would you know align with what you were trying to study and um how that led you to you know landing a good job out of college okay okay no that's a that's a good question um i'd say i naturally started to gravitate like once i really once I walked away from ball and really started to get into the markets, I became a much more serious person. I noticed mm -hmm. um, I began to kind of separate myself a little bit because I knew exactly what I wanted and it wasn't basketball no more. So most of my peoples and my homeboys, like they knew me from basketball, but even my family, right? They knew me from basketball, but I wanted kind of to break, I wanted to break that association to basketball. I didn't want to just, be okay that's papa from north that's good in basketball i wanted to kind of like rebrand and recreate myself so i had to break down a lot of mental um uh patterns that weren't serving me i had to kind of break those down and kind of restructure and re re uh sort of shape shift and rebuild myself so i started surrounding myself with people that were into the markets and like i said that were into what i was into and it was it was a difficult process because, you know, you start to um, you kind of you kind of start to have like this this new circle. Right. You don't have the same circle in regard to like uh, I grew up a lot of with a lot of friends playing ball. So a lot of my friends, you know, I was away from that space and I was starting to like kind of get together with people in investment groups and people that kind of read books and, and, and things of that nature. You know, um, but it, it was a definitely it definitely was a difficult transition for sure. I'm sure it was. And, um, you know, let's talk about life post college now. Um, you you done transition out of basketball. You done 
surrounding yourself with like-minded people and you've put yourself on a path of success. Now yeah. you've gained um, a wonderful opportunity to go work at this company. And yeah. I want you to kind of walk us through how you've, um, how you were able to attain the opportunity. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I work, I work for Bloomberg, um, you know, uh, it's a global financial technology firm. I'm extremely grateful to be there, but it was a tough, tough journey getting there. What most people don't see is that, you know, people tend to only see the successes, right? They don't see the failures in, in, in all the hard times and all the hard work that was put in on a back end behind the scenes. So I'm very big on putting, putting in work behind the scenes. Uh, I'm actually a, a very reserved person. So I actually got rejected several times prior to getting my opportunity at Bloomberg. I probably okay. applied to Bloomberg prior, probably about three or four times and I got rejected, you oh, know? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was tough. After graduating, it was definitely a tough journey. I was working various jobs just to kind of, you know, make ends meet, uh, ends meet, but I all, I always knew what my ultimate goal was and that was to be connected to the financial markets. So um, yeah, I got rejected, but one thing I didn't do is I didn't let it discourage me. I just looked at it as, all right, let me go back to the drawing board. How can I attack this from another angle? And I would say my upbringing prepared me for that, you know, um, just kind of growing up in Newark and, um, you know, a rough environment, it kind of built that grit. So that's one thing I'm grateful for. So once I got rejected, I'm like, all right, cool. It happens. You know, I've been battle tested my whole life. All right, I'm going to keep pushing. What can I learn? So I started shape shifting. Okay, I see this didn't work. Let me attack it from this angle. Got rejected again. Okay, that didn't work. Let me try to network. Let me try to go and actually visit Bloomberg. See if I know somebody. Go visit Bloomberg. Now I can leverage that. Oh, in my application, yada, yada, yada. I met this person when I toured the Bloomberg offices. I enjoyed this and that. Got rejected again. And then finally, you know, I got my foot into the door, you know, but um, it was just, just, you know, just trial and error. And that's one thing I would say to people, you know, is never get discouraged. If you want something, you know, be strategic about it. Don't go in blindly. You know, if you get rejected, okay, what can you learn from that? And, and that's why failure is so important. But now, you know, fast forward, um, a couple of years later, I'm actually at Bloomberg. Um, I just hit my one year anniversary full time. And um, it's, it's going very well. I'm extremely grateful, again, to be there. And uh, it, just, it just shows that hard work and, and determination, you know, it pays off. 1,000%. Yes, um, sir. So you, you proved yourself to be battle-tested and you finally yeah. got your foot in the door. And then once you got in the door, you realized that you were dealing with a whole different, you know, ball game. So yeah. I kind of want you to get into like the life of um, a black financial analyst and, you know, the highs and lows that come with it, you know, yeah. dealing with the race aspect. Yeah. Yeah. No, nah, um, the race aspect is something that's very true, right. In the world in general, not just in the financial aspect, but just in general, you know, and one thing I would say is that, I suffered, I wouldn't say suffered because I didn't really suffer, but one thing that sort of got to me was this whole imposter syndrome idea, right? Okay. Like, you know, you, you, you're you so used to being in a certain space, you know, growing up in, in the inner city and everything. And now you're literally working at a huge 
global financial technology firm that's connected to Wall Street and all of these big banks. That was a totally different environment for me. Um, so I would say imposter syndrome is something that um, affected me a little bit. And it still kind of hits me to this day sometimes. Like, you know, you'll question yourself like, wow, like, do I even belong here? Am I even supposed to be in this room? You know, um, because there's not a lot of people that look like me, to be frank, you know, mm -hmm. let's just be honest. The financial space is not a lot of people of color, um, especially in higher positions, right? In positions of where you're actually controlling capital, where you're actually um, controlling how the company is looked upon, you know, there's not a lot of people of color. So there's a lot of times when I'm in rooms and, it, and I'm the only, I'm the only black person in there. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But I had to, again, it goes back to, you know, kind of rewiring your brain and rebranding and like shape shifting. Right. So you can either look at it as half full or half empty. I was looking at it from an imposter syndrome standpoint, like, wow, do I even belong in this room? I'm the only one here. But then I had to kind of switch my mindset, like, yo, like, I'm the only black person here. That actually says a lot. You get what I'm saying? So rather than sort of kind of counting myself out, I shifted my perspective, my perspective. And I'm like, yo, I'm in this room for a reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm black and I'm in this room for a reason. I'm just as capable as anybody else to be in this room. You know, I can talk the language to anybody, you know, whether it's a CEO or or whoever it is, you know, and I started to really pride myself on that, you know, and um, I found that it was very unique. But I do still think it's important to see more people of color in these spaces because representation do matters and it maybe would have made it much easier for me to get my foot in the door if it was people in the door already that look like me so that's my goal is to kind of reach back and, and and pull my people up and kind of get them into these rooms that i'm in you know um yeah because representation matters for sure 100 percent. yeah um that leads me to um the second part of the interview that I wanted to get into, which is talking about the investment group, you know, yeah. um, you know, this is a group of like-minded people that, you know, put together resources in order to make, create better um, opportunities for each other yep. and uh, in general. And I want you to talk about how this came together and, you know, you guys' goals. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, the investment group um, came about, well, just be, even before touching on that, just touching on group economics overall, right? Yeah, let's group get into it. Yeah, um, group economics is becoming more of a thing, right? Rather than investing by yourself, you have more purchasing power when you invest with a group of people. So that's sort of how it sort of came about, you know, um, uh, my my partners and I, we created a, an investment group called HQ Capital, and the goal is to build wealth together rather than trying to do it alone, right? This is one quote I like, and they say, um, trying to get the words, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together, right? Mm -hmm. So we all sort of had that mindset where we know this, was a long, this is a long-term game. We all want to go far right it's not about one individual but it's about a collective success so a um, few of my homeboys that you know we grew up together playing ball and stuff like that now we all in our careers um what we did was 
we created an LLC, we created HQ Capital Investment Group, and we sort of pooled our money together to get into investments, um, ranging from reg regular stock market invest uh, investments to private equity or you know, getting into food chains and, and, and things of that nature, pretty much a, a, a wide variety of, variety of opportunities, you know, but um, it makes it much easier to invest, you know, say you wanted to get into an investment and it was $20,000, but it's only you, you got to front that whole 20. Rather, if it's you, it's you and nine other brothers, it's a total of 10 of y'all, y'all each put 2000 into that investment is much more feasible to make that happen. You know, so that's the whole premise behind, you know, group economics and coming together is it take less capital on your behalf, but you have more purchasing power as a whole. And, and that's pretty much, you know, um, while we while we formed the, um, the uh, investment group. And in terms of um, the investment group, is it is it just for you guys to operate or is it to bring other people in? How does it um, how do you how would you say? um how would you explain it in terms of operations to somebody who is looking to get into something like that? Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, every investment group have their, their um, pretty much their structure and how they go about bringing on new members. So um, our members is, 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 is mainly like internal. So we use our own capital to invest. Mm -hmm. It's not like most funds where you take capital from outside sources and invest on their behalf and you get a certain percentage of that. Right now, we're pretty much using our own capital. But as far as the process, um, it is uh, all uh, black men inside of the group. Um, that's one of the premises of our group is to um, build amongst black men, to build wealth amongst black men and create opportunities for inner city youth of color as well and to uplift our communities. So, so that is the goal. But as far as like recruitment and things like that, um, we're sort of still ironing out, iron, um, out the total amount of members we want to have. Um, but as far as the process, you know, there's an application process and um, an interview process that we go through with every candidate and, and things like that. Um, but um, yeah, it's, it's more so on a um, recommendation sort of base. Like an, an, you will have to have an internal referral. And then based on that referral, We'll reach out to the candidate, you know, if they're interested in applying, they apply, and then we interview them. And then based on the interview, you know, we kind of collectively come to an agreement. Sounds great. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, um, at this point in your career, you've, you've made multiple investments in the stock market. You've started your own business um, in terms of uh, the capital investment group. Um, with uh, HQ and um, you know you have a good job and yeah. now you've and now you've moved on to another venture which is loaded bases so I kind of yeah. want to get into the formation of that because you know um, merch is important and you know the message behind your merch is what I really want to get into but um, I just want to talk about the process yeah. in general and what inspired it yeah yeah um no, nah, I'm over here smiling, man, because loaded bases, man. It's um just I can tell you, I can tell you guys you take a lot of pride in that. So yeah, no, nah, for sure. Yeah, I got the loaded bases on right now, too. One word, word. Um, but I was actually inspired by Nipsey Hustle, man. Um mm -hmm. I was inspired by Nipsey Hustle and Lewis Hamilton. So I'm a F1 uh racing fan, 
you know, um, but I'm also a fan of uh, Nipsey Hussle. So I kind of just kind of got this idea, you know, Nip, Nip got the, the, the song, you know, Loaded Bases, that's my motivation. And it sort of came from that and Loaded Bases was kind of, it, it kept playing in my head, you know, so I kind of did my research and I went to the USPTO, the trademark site, to see if it was taken or anything, if anybody owned that. You know, I want to make sure I wasn't stepping on no toes. You get what I'm saying? Absolutely. You know, because I got a high, you know, um, um, respect for Nipsey Hussle and everything like that. So I did my research from a legal standpoint, and I wanted to make sure that it wasn't taken or anything. But I noticed Nip, he had the marathon, right? TMC, the marathon clothing. That's what That was his thing. But he just had a song called Loaded Bases. So I'm like, all right, let me break this down and really see. Da -da -da -da. So I did the, the, the legal work and I saw that it was available. So I trademarked it. I created the LLC and everything. And the whole premise behind Loaded Bases is about betting on yourself, about going big, right? Now, loading your bases is about preparation, putting yourself in the best position to succeed. Now, Loaded Bases it's also a baseball terminology. When you load the bases and you hit a home run, that's a grand slam. You achieve the highest number of points you can achieve in baseball. So I kind of shifted that. And that analogy, I noticed it ties into life. So the same way you can load your bases in baseball, I look at loaded bases as loading your bases in terms of your ultimate goal. You know, if you have a goal, if you have anything you're striving towards, you're part of that loaded bases family because you have to prepare to get to a certain point. Even if you're an athlete, right? You got to go to class, right? You got to take care of your body. You got to eat right. All of that is part of lowering your bases so you can go for that grand slam, which may be to make it to the NBA, which is the ultimate goal. But to get to that ultimate goal, there's certain layers. There's certain things you got to prepare for to set yourself up, you know? So I just started crafting a business idea, the business strategy and everything. And I'm like, yo, this literally ties to everybody, no matter the color of your skin, no matter how old you are, no matter what field you work in, if you have a goal, loaded bases applies to you because preparation goes into that. And as long as you prepare yourself so you can put yourself in the best position possible to win, then, you know, um, you're part of that loaded bases family. So that's, that's what it's about. But it also ties in a to the financial literacy aspect, right? You know, Nip, he was big on uplifting his community and things like that. Um, I, I believe I was inspired by Nip and I, and I think I can speak for most people who are inspired by Nip is because he come from where he come from, but yet his goal was financial empowerment. His goal was to uplift the community and, 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 and things like that. So I can see myself in him, you know, like, yo, I, I, I come from the projects too. You get what I'm saying? I was surrounded Absolutely. by Talk about it. You get what I'm saying? So like we all can relate to it. And I think that's why we connect with, with, with Nip so, so much because his message was just, it was pure. He was honest with himself and he was about uplifting his people. And I think when you do that, you become real dangerous as well. You know, um, because they don't, they don't want our community, you know, the black community to be uplifted. They want to keep us where we at. But, you know, my goal is to, again, you know, inspire the youth from through financial literacy so they so so that they don't have to be in survival mode no more. Because I had to grow up in survival mode and uh, being in survival mode. That's no way to really live, man. One thousand percent. You're preaching right now. <laughs> uh, that leads me into um you know your latest venture which is the book um yeah. 
it's very important. This is a very important reason. Uh, this is the reason why I wanted you to come on the podcast yeah, at all. And, um, you know, I think that this is a very important tool for people to use starting out, especially from coming from where we're from. So I want you to get into being in control. Yeah, yeah, no, nah, for sure. Um, yeah, uh, I just want to say one thing, you know, I appreciate what you're doing for the community, man, and kind of capturing people's stories. Uh, oh, absolutely. I think that's important, you know, um, and I just want to say thank you. And I'm, I'm extremely grateful for you having me, you know, on your show, on your podcast. 1000%, 1000 yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And as far as the book, um, the book came about, again, through just wanting to uplift my community and wanting to provide them with something that I didn't have growing up. You know, um, if you think about it, it all comes down to problems and solutions, right? Most people focus on the problems, but I think it's important to focus on solutions. That's how products come about. That's how service for services come about. It's just sort of bridging the gap between problems and solutions. Somebody steps in and say, okay, all right, I'm going to create a product that actually solves this. So that was my purpose. You know, I didn't have no one teaching me about financial literacy growing up, you know, which kind of set me back. Nobody taught me about credit. I had to go to college, get a credit card, and then max out my credit card, and then it was sent to collections. I had Oof. to learn that through, like, you get what I'm saying? I had to literally oh, learn that by going through it. You feel me? Yeah. So, <laughs> It's, it's a lot of people, you know, a lot of youth that's going through the same exact thing. And it's like, yo, if I could save them from going through what I went through, like, by all means, I'm going to do that. So that was my purpose of creating uh, Be In Control, a beginner's guide to stocks, investing, and financial literacy. So it, what it pretty much does is it breaks down a stock market. It breaks down financial markets in simple terms. I wrote it from a junior and senior standpoint, but also from a standpoint of uh, someone who has no knowledge about the, um, you know, uh, about that space. And I've been receiving great feedback. It's very digestible. Uh, a lot of people like the knowledge checks that's after, uh, at the end of each chapter. And I wrote the knowledge checks specifically a certain way to build confidence. So um, it's very good to sort of test people after they read something because it helps with retaining the information rather than waiting all the way to the end of the book to kind of give them a knowledge check. So what I do is I structure it at the end of each chapter. So after they read something and then they run into these questions, the questions are much easier to uh, answer and it makes it much easier for them to retain the information and it builds their confidence as well, because after you just read some, it's fresh in your mind. So it's kind of like a feedback loop, you know? So I built mm -hmm. this specifically to that, to help build confidence in youth, because that's, it, that's one thing that's going to get them to that next level is building their confidence. You know, my goal isn't to break anyone down. I could have easily went in there and made questions that were literally extremely difficult to answer as far mm -hmm. as equations and things of that. But no, I kept it simple. I kept it in, you know, layman's terms for everyone, no matter who you are to be able to understand so I can help build that confidence so we can uh, so we can begin to be on the same page and build that community of wealth. 1000%. Yeah. So um, what would you say is the next step for you? You got your book, you got the yeah. clothing brand, you got the job. Everything's yeah. looking up. Everything's going <laughs> up and up. So, um, like, what's the plan for the future? 
Yeah, um, my plan is to continue to grow, to continue to scale. That's one thing I'm focused on right now is, is execution, but also scaling. Uh, my goal is to get my book and one in schools all over North and high schools, literally all over North. I want to start here Excellent. in the community where I was born at. And then I want to expand globally to have my book in all of these schools, um, especially in the inner city, because I believe we need this information. This is information that they keep from us, but it's important that it, but it's important for us to know. Um, so again, yeah, my goal is to continue to uplift my people, to uplift my community, to spread um, financial knowledge and inspire the world through financial literacy. Uh, my goal is to continue to create different streams of revenue and of income to be able to control my time. Uh, I believe that's extremely important, you know, for us to be able to control our time because once we control our time, we get out of survival mode. Once you're out of survival mode, you're able to do what you're truly happy and what you're truly passionate about. You know, growing up in survival mode, I had to work jobs that I didn't enjoy working. You get what I'm saying? Like literally I had every job you could think of from being a waiter, from an Amazon driver, like people, you know, mm -hmm. they laugh once they hear me say that, but like, man, I worked every type of job, but I had to because I was in survival mode, you know? And it's, I'm still in survival mode, right? I'm, I'm, I'm learning, right. I'm making investments, but the truth is most of us live in survival mode, meaning that yeah. we can't stop doing what we're doing. If we stop working, like, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, so everything stops. Goal, exactly, you know, so the goal is to sort of get out of that to where we create passive income that comes in every month, whether we work or not. And that will give us the opportunity to do what we're truly happy, happy about, whether that be, okay, I just want to spend time with my family and take a trip out the country, you know? So that's my goal is to sort of get people to start thinking like that, to shift their mindset to where they want to control their time rather than them having to go up and go to work for somebody you know, because, you know, we're, we're, we're all capable of so, so much more than, than, than we even can con conceive, you know? Absolutely. And on that note, brother, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. How about you let everybody know where they can find you on social media? No, nah, for sure, man. I appreciate you for having me. Um, you can find me on Instagram uh, at callmeq. Call me underscore Q. So that's K-A-L-L-M-E underscore Q. Um, I know most people probably not even on LinkedIn. <laughs> but, no, no, um, plug the LinkedIn for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn too. If you just type in my name, Kwasan Lindsay, uh, Q-U-A-S-A-N-L-I-N-D-S-A-Y. You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, but yeah, those are the main two platforms. I'm working on a TikTok right now. Uh, but uh, that'll be more to come where I'm going to be posting about some financial literacy and stuff like that. But uh, that's that's to come. Absolutely. All right, brother. Thank you for coming on the show. And no, uh, yeah. No, I appreciate you, man. Again, I love what you're doing. Capturing stories, uplifting the community, man. Uh, again, it truly means a lot. I'm grateful um, to be able to to speak to you. And I appreciate you for for having me here. All right. Thank you. Yes, sir. And, uh, I'll see you. I'll see you guys at the next episode. Peace. All right. Peace.